0: In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Can you hold the other? Thank you. As we spoke in our first session, how we need to choose to die, to be to accept, to live the new life in Christ, and to convey this new life to enjoy it and to convey it to others. The church is teaching us as servants, whatever you are serving in the church, you are not here to teach stories. You are not here to convey the life of Christ. You as a mother, you as a father, you as an older brother, you are there even from home. And if you can't make it at home, you will be an actor in the church. And the church is not looking for actors at all. I enjoy the meaning of death and life. The meaning of the life of Christ is manifested in you, in our mortal bodies. Then our next talk will speak only in John chapter 11. The story starts with death and ends with resurrection. And we go step by step. I'm sure if you read by your own, you'll find more than what you are going to share today. But let us go to this journey to find what the Lord wants us to do to lead others to resurrection. We are not the source of resurrection, but as Aguna was saying a few minutes ago, they will see the life of resurrection in us, and the whole life of Christ in us, then they will like to ask him to give the same life, to choose with us to die, and to enjoy this new life with him. So, in John chapter 11, verse 28, this is the title. The teacher has come and is calling for you. Why? He, he knows what he is exactly is going to tell you. He knows exactly what is going to go in your life. But accept the calling of the teacher. This was the words of Martha to me. The teacher has come and is calling for you. Let us start. I will just speak in, in English. A few points, and then I will summarize them in Arabic, at the end. First of all, so the sisters said, where? To Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now I'm finding my role in the life of those whom I'm serving. And he's asking me from the beginning, are you interceding for them? A woman that was always used this term in most of his sermon, in his writings, and even in his personal talks. A Christian, not even a servant, a Christian is the one who is holding the whole creation in his heart, presenting them before Christ. The two sisters did the same. They were interceding for their brother. He was sick at that time. And then he's asking us, as servants, how many minutes, or how many times during the week we pray for those whom we serve. How many times you pray for your wife and children, or your husband and your children. Sometimes I feel it's normal. They are in the church and with me and they are always in my mind. But not lifting them before the Lord. So before all intercede. And you will never be able to intercede properly if you can live the life of this and life of Christ. The church is telling us even to understand intercession in the church, go to the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the eternity. I am uniting myself, we sang a few minutes ago. The church is teaching us that we are one body. What does it mean? I'm uniting myself in each and every liturgy with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Virgin Mary, Saint Mark, Saint George, and everyone. And those. Who are going to come and join the body in the future as well? Because it's eternity, no limits of time. Are we interceding with this in our minds? In each liturgy, we say the intervention of the saints. We ask them to pray for us. Are we thinking that also we need to pray for others, those whom we serve, our families, those who are afflicted? The liturgy is telling us you as a human being is the priest of the whole creation and as a priest of the whole creation you are interceding for all the creation, for plants animals wind of the air everything and this is my role in life first of all intercede and then hold fast in verse 10 it is then Thomas also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. He was doubting later, but at this moment he is showing us something. If you are true followers of him, I'm holding fast to him whatever he goes. If he is sending me in a place, I feel it's not nice to be there. If he sent me to someone who was very stubborn, who was rejecting the truth, he was doing whatever he wants. He's telling me, hold fast. I am with you. Didem was here trying to hold fast in a negative way. us go and die with him. That's nice. But are you sure that he's going to raise you with him or, or no? he was at that time just going to die with no hope or even with no expectation of a life after that? But he's telling us, now, in the light of the resurrection of Christ, we are holding fast to him. To death, because you are sure of life. So, if I can intercede and hold fast to the Lord, He's telling me you are in the right direction. You want your child or the person you are serving to rise with Christ. They know that you are helpless. Mary and Martha, they knew they can't heal him. They can't do anything else. And you have to know, this is part of your death and my death. I can't heal anyone. I can't raise anyone. But he is able. I'm calling him to come. Sometimes we feel that I can fix him, or I can fix him. You can't. Maybe you have some knowledge. Knowledge cannot save. But Jesus can save. Knowledge can help you to know him better. But it can it will never help you. To save anyone. towards the right knowledge will lead you to breach the right teaching, as we will speak in a few minutes. But be sure, it's not your knowledge, it's not your strength, it's not your intelligence. It is his power. Hold fast on him. Daniel Thomas, was holding fast to him with no hope. Just because we love him, let us go and die with him. But he's telling us no. Your hope in the New Testament is bigger than that. You are going to hold fast to the risen Lord. Going to die with him and to rise with him as well. Here it's very important to pause a few minutes in these verses. It's from verse 21 to 24. in again, the same chapter, 11. In 21 it reads, Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here... My brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. But take care from the tenth of the saints. First of all, if you had been here four days ago, Jesus said, Your brother will rise again. She took it in the very far future. She said, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day after a few thousand years. Just again, he said. Just said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever believes in me, uh, uh, lives and believes in me, shall never die. Do you believe this? I want to just share with us this verse. Just focus on this verse and see the tense. She spoke first in the past tense. Four days ago you were not here. And then he said, he will rise. I know he will rise in the very far future. What is missing here? Which tense? The present. And this is a lie that unfortunately all of us will believe it. That Jesus is able to make something four days ago. I'm able to make something more greater after a few thousand years to come, but he can do nothing now The same thing when I'm serving I'm not relying on a past experience only for future experience only I am in his The very famous song of Uru, what we say in the seventh verse Emmanuel is Na- uh, now To watch us? No the to heal our souls, our bodies and our spirits. So, what was missing from Martha on that day? She can't believe he can, he, he can do something in the present time. And more than that, it's not only he can do now something. Her present was stolen because her mind was in the past and in the future now I am before Jesus and he is the same one that I was looking forward he would come four days ago he's the one who I'm looking forward he will raise me after a few hundreds or thousands of years you are missing him now yes you are imprisoned in the past or imprisoned in the future and we do the same in our spiritual walk and with those whom we serve. said, if the, his parents or called me a year ago, I, could help, I would have helped him. Now there is no hope. You could still I think, I am going to fix your child, your son or your daughter. No, he is the one. And he is the one now. Not in the past, not in the future. And then we ask ourselves, am I still imprisoned in, in a bad past? or a good past, sometimes I um, have very good memories in the past, just like I'm here now. This good memory maybe is not there, or these good things that you enjoyed in the past, not there. I'm here now. Are you going to enjoy me? You look the one of the church fathers. If you would like to meet the Lord, you can't meet him a minute ago. You can't meet him after one minute. You can meet him now. The present moment is the meeting, right meeting time with the Lord. The same thing if you'd like the one whom you serve to be risen, tell him the Lord is here now. Tell him many stories of the past and many stories of what he's going to do in the second coming. But I am living now. That's why the church is teaching us to live the now and then. What is next? When the Lord met St. Paul, as we spoke a few minutes ago on the gate of Damascus, he told him what I have to do now, not later, not in the future. Now, go directly to yes, Now, go and listen to him. That's why when we speak about time, the Lord is asking us, are you imprisoned in, in time? Is Christ able to do it in the past and in the future? Is the God of the present time. Why? Because the present time is the taste of eternity. In eternity, we don't have past, we don't have future. We have a continuous present. One of the church fathers called it to live the everlasting now. It's a paradox again. How to live the everlasting now? It's something continuous, but all of it is called now. That's what when you miss, it's everlasting now, we can see him him able to do something now, we are just imprisoned in the past or in the future, he's telling us, when you present me, don't present me as a Christ of the history, Christ of the future, yes, but before all is the Christ of now, what was missing from Martha is the Christ of now, we'll find even Mary, when she came, she said nearly the same thing. If you had been here, my brother would have died. Both of them were in the same prison. The first thing is, don't share the unbelief. And when Mary came, where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have Lie. unfortunately we even as servants we spread the bad news more than the good news that my son or someone in my class or, it would never work it would work in the past or maybe it might work in the future he's telling us here don't spread the bad news don't spread your lies or the lies you accepted against the truth of the Word of God. Mary believed in what Martha said. Definitely, it seems in the four days, all the Kasha, if the Lord was here, you he wouldn't have died. Are you spreading bad news? There is no hope in this generation. The new generations are very bad. This is bad news. And it will never save them when we reject their generation. It says about David, he served his generation. Every generation is a blessing from God. Every generation is called for the same new life, to manifest the whole life of Christ in his life. So please don't discourage any generation. We were a bad generation from our forefathers. So we don't want to spread the same lie. Definitely we have good people in every generation. Definitely we have holy men and women in every generation. So Mary was teaching us, don't share the unbelief, don't spread the bad news. We are not lying to ourselves, but we are relying on Him who is able to work at all times. He said, I am with you now and forever. He didn't say, but the generation of the 21st century, I'm going to leave them. He never said so. So please don't spread lies. If you'd like your son to be risen, if you'd like those whom you serve to be risen, be cautious of this warning that is in the story of Lazarus. And then be sure you can't make anything. Tell him, Lord, come and see. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Don't allow yourself to interfere without him. Bring him in now. When you sit with anyone, you have to pray because you are bringing Christ in. Before you go, pray because you have to bring Christ in. After you leave him or her, pray because you need Christ to be in. This is the way of resurrection. Even if we don't have hope, come and see. Come and see, and maybe if you have some tears to shed, for your beloved friend died. Are we inviting Christ to see our death? Let me share with you one verse in Ezekiel chapter 37. The Lord is repeating the same thing twice. From verse 12, it reads, Therefore prophesy and say to them thus says the Lord God behold O my people. I will open your graves He came to open graves my grave and your grave every time you come to church He's telling you I'm going to open your grave when you go in your visitation, the Lord is using your mouth to open graves I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves And bring you into the land of Israel then you shall know that I am the Lord when I, I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your grave. Four times in two verses. I'm going to open your grave, bring you up from your grave. Come and see for them, was not of any assurance. Just come and weep with us. But he's telling us, I'm coming to open your graves. And also we are here because the Lord wants to open some graves of us. In many years, some of us lived with their own wounds, rejecting the Lord to open the grave. I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, confess. But many of us still holding some graves. I don't want to remember this at all. That's why the full life of resurrection is not really in my life yet. Especially if it's very painful, but he's telling you, I'm going to to convert your pain into joy, your death into life, when I open your grave. But accept to speak out, invite him, come and see, see my grave, not to weep only, but to convert it into a new source of life. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. It's not me, it's him. Yes, I'm going to serve a boy or a girl who went too far in sexual immorality or drugs or addiction or whatever it is. But I'm coming with the life of Christ, with the risen Lord. He's going to open these graves and let them out so don't trust in yourself but trust that he is here now with you now wherever you go and he's able upon your invitation to go and to see your grave number six don't limit his power Why? In verse 37 it says, and some of them said, could not this man, who opened the eyes of the blind, also have kept this man from dying? Sometimes when we we hear a problem, or to, to visit someone, or to see something in the life of anyone, we have no hope. Because we have very limited belief in his power. He can heal the sick. Even the two sisters in verse, uh, at the beginning of the verse, chapter 11, verse 3, you, the one whom you love is sick. But if he is dead, will you call the Lord? No. He says in Psalm 68 and verse 20, for the sovereign Lord has escaped from death. But here they are limiting his power. How many names in your class or your teaching that you are serving in and you believe in the last 5, 10, maybe 20, I'm not going to... there is no hope in them. Or, in fact, I'm saying, Lord, you can't do anything with them. He can only heal the sick. If you remember, on the Good Friday, we have two sermons for St. Francis. The third hour and the 11th hour. The third hour was saying, Christ did not come as a physician for the sick. But He's a life giver for the dead. Which Christ are you worshipping? Only a physician or a life giver? After He gives life, He can get healing. But while they are dead, so it's nonsense to tell Him, give them healing. That's why we need to think are we serving people to give them healing while they are dead? Or we give them life? or to help them to receive life, to be healed. Again, this is very important. Sometimes you are trying to fix people. This boy is smoking, this boy is doing whatever he is doing. He is dead. So don't try to fix illness for a dead person. Imagine, the whole liturgy is talking about life. Not fixing people. For being determined to give himself up to this for the life of the world. What about forgiveness of sins? It comes after giving them life. That's why the first thing we do, we give people the power of baptism. Then we lead them in a journey of repentance. Even on the day of Pentecost, on John and Acts chapter 2 verse 38, Saint Peter told them, repent. Receives the power of baptism, and then receives the Holy Spirit. Why he is saying repentance first? Because you are too far from God. But then we have a journey. It says in Acts chapter 11 and verse 18. Saint Peter was telling them what has been happening with Cornelius and his family. He said, they are like us. In which way? They received repentance to life which should be followed by life of repentance. But first, repentance to life. Those who are dead need repentance to life. And then they have to lead all the life of repentance. That's why he is telling us that who open the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying. We are not seeking a physician only. He's is a life giver before being a physician. Those who are seeking only a please, I'm sure you have all the book of Baschah, read the homily of Saint Athanasius of the third hour. Then in the 11th hour, is other homily by Saint Athanasius as well. But they saying something different. We need to work on the commandments and not to miss anyone to enjoy the life of God. It's very hard. It's very hard for the dead. For who are seeking Jesus to stop him from watching pornography. from seeking Jesus to stop him from smoking while he is dead. Christ is offering his life. Even in the litany of the gospel, the first thing I want to say, For you are the life of us all. Before saying salvation, healing, hope, resurrection, he is the life. He came to give his life. And in, in the end of the liturgy, in the uh, last confession, when I say, you're given for us salvation, remission of sin, and the eternal life. Salvation means it, to be raised from dead. Then forgiveness of, of sins, past, and all my life. And finally, I have an eternal life in him. So don't limit the power of Christ in your life. Don't limit him and his power in your ministry and yourself. That's why, unfortunately, some of us serving God to the maximum of their imagination. I believe this good boy in my class or in the youth meeting, I can encourage him to memorize a longer Coptic Hymn in the church. Is it your expectation? Are we looking for improving? The quality of the deacons definitely is. But if he is dead, it's nonsense. And sorry to say it's a big deception. When you encourage people to work in the church while they are dead, people need when they come into the church, a stranger is coming, he smells the life of Christ in each and every one this is the meaning of a church seeking a real revival seeking in the end to, to see lazarus whoever is coming coming home with the life of christ no this anymore we sang it many times know this no shame but still we can sense this life and no shame in our life again i'm not convicting anyone except myself but this is the calling we are called To be heaven. If you just put two verses beside each other. In John. Let us read together. John 14. And verse 23. The Lord was saying. Jesus answered and said to him. If anyone loves me. He will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him. And make our home with him. If now I am keeping his word. As we spoke early today in the morning in the liturgy the Father and the Son are coming to make their home in you and in me and we know the Holy Spirit is indwelling in us that's why the Church Father called man is a microcosmos is a heaven the Trinity is indwelling in him so can any death of the world affect him? can any thought from the world disturb him? it's a choice either to live to our calling to be a heaven, an indwelling place of the Holy Trinity, or we worship a God who can heal a sick. It's up to you. And again, if you believe it, you will see it in your life. If you see that the word of God can heal He sent his word and heals them, in Psalm 107 verse 20, then you will be proud of the word of God, keen to read it, keen to proclaim it, because you know it's gone, to heal them and to raise them also from their death first. verse 38 and 39, I have to know that I have a very limited role. You are not the life giver. You are not the healer. You are a channel. Then Jesus again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, "Take away the stone." And unfortunately, you feel it's, it's nothing. I'm bigger than that. No, you are too small, as just roll the stone. And if you are dead, as we spoke about in the first talk, you will accept easily to roll the stone. Someone wants to go and to make the miracle by himself. As I said earlier, St. Peter was not thinking I'm going to heal or to cast out demons by my shadow. No. He has a new life and everything flown from this new life. The same thing here, take away the stone. Know and be sure that what you can do is very limited. Some people come occasionally, sometimes repeatedly. I'm fed up. I'm going to quit services. I feel I'm fructose. All what I have done, in vain. Um, having this class for 2-3 years, nothing has been changed. And he's telling us, are you going to change people? It's not your role. Live the new life and let me change them. Because you have a limited role. Speak the truth. Live the truth. Leave me to work on them. It's very important to know what you can do and what you can do. The church is teaching us that even our spiritual life is a synergy. Syn is together. Ergia is work in Greek. St. Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, because we are co-workers with him. So is it your strength? No. I can put the seed. I can water it. But he is the one who will make it grow. I know what I can do. Put the seed, water it, and he's able to make it to grow. So do exactly what you can do and what you are required to do. Go and speak. Go and live a life worthy of the gospel. So it's not how you are going to want how you want your children to live, leaving children at home or in the church. Your children will not live as you want. But they will live as you live. If you like the Word of God and you see you reading the Word of God, they will be connected without a word. If you insist to tell them if they read the, the Bible and they never see you reading the Bible, they will never do it. The same for everything. So please, live the life that you want your children at home, in your service, to live it. Remember, He is God. In verse 39, and Jesus said, Take away the throne, marks the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. He is God. I know that every one of us has few people, even sometimes family members. We feel the stench of their misery. But remember, He is God. He is the author of life. Saint Peter, in his one of his small, short talks in Acts chapter three, I think verse fifteen, is telling them, "And the author of life you have killed." This is a light. What about you and me? Did you kill the author of life? He's not. He is not there anymore. Martha was telling them. If you remember, the Lord, was, she, was telling him, she was telling him, you are not here for, for four days ago. And you might be able to do it in the future. The only things the Lord used in this paragraph from verse 21-24 is tell you, if you believe, was in the present time. Do you believe now? That's why he is telling him, remember, he is God. Tell him that he is dead for four days is very dry bones as the vision of Ezekiel in chapter 37. But he said, and I will breathe my spirit on them. I will open their graves and then museum. them up. So do we have this hope? St. Paul says Christians 1, 27 Christ in you is the hope of glory. If you don't have this hope believe it or not, you are going to convey death to your whoever you are serving. If you don't believe in a God who is able to make everything, you are limiting him and telling him, no way, no hope for this person. Is there anyone sort of a hope in the thief on the cross? No one. But Jesus has hope in him. St. Augustine says, do not despair because one of the thieves was saved. And don't be proud because the other one did not it. So it's a choice. At any moment, he is able. Tell him the truth, yes. But don't disregard his power. Don't limit his power, because he is God, and he is able to make it at any time or at any cost. St. Augustine is telling us, reveal yourself to him who knows you so that he would reveal himself to you who do not know him when we serve we sometimes are talking about the god we don't know him we don't know his ability we did not experience who he is we have many stories for many sermons, but i didn't by myself but the calling and some said come and taste don't come and hear Don't come and watch, come and taste. Those who taste it, you can easily see in them the taste of Christ. Number nine. In verses 43 and 44. The miracle has been done. And he who died came out bound hand and foot. Was great clothes and his face was wrapped with a clothes. Jesus said to them, Lose him and let him go. Do you have something in your mind, in your heart? You prayed about it. Each time you have talked to a person or to a group, that today the something will be losing. Sometimes we are very keen to convey knowledge. And we are very impressed with new knowledge. But are you losing losing him and letting him go? Or just it's a matter of knowledge. And a competition of knowledge Let me tell you what you don't know. No, I'm going to tell you what is going to lose your bonds. What is going to free you from where we are. He's insisting. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I can't make it. But he can make it. But you have a role. We said humans, we have a limited role. We have to roll the stone. And now, this is exactly what St. Peter was telling in Acts 11, 18. We have received repentance to life. Christ raised him. Is it the end? No. All his life needs to be losing from his bonds. It is the life of repentance. But we miss out when we speak to people of life of repentance, while we are not started with repentance to life. It's very important to know the difference. Very important to know that both are needed. That I need to commit myself to the Lord. Let me share with you one verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5. St. Paul was telling us people was making a new kind of miracle. People who were in need in Macedonia. We had out the need of the church in Jerusalem. Let me read from the beginning. Moreover, present from verse one, we make known to you the grace of God who stood on the churches of Macedonia. What they have done that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the reaches of their liber- liberality. For I bear witness what you have seen to make you to testify such thing for them. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability. If you ask anyone now, why you didn't do this, it's beyond my ability. And more than that, he is adding, and they were freely willing. Sometimes we ask people why the church is not clean. No one told me, but you can see it's not clean. It needs someone to clean. And then he is adding more abundance of joy. They were not miserable in giving. And in their poverty, they were in need. This is the three excuses for us ourselves. It's beyond my ability. Uh, I'm not, no one told me to do it, and if I will do it, I will do it in a miserable way. But where is the key for all this? Verse 5. And not only as they have proved, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. When you go in a, with the children, we want them to obey me. I am the Sunday school teacher. Or I am whoever I am. But. They might obey you, once or twice, and then you start to rebel. Because I'm not teaching them, you are here to give your life to Him, to the Lord. If He gave His life to the Lord, if He is following the Lord, if He sees you, to deliver Him in the Eucharist, in the communion, in the church, help deliver you when you stand to pray. I would like to give myself, not to you, but to the one whom you worship. Then it will be easy to obey the Sunday school teacher and the priest and everyone in the church. When we fix our eyes on people to obey us, we fail. But those people, but they the first gain himself to the Lord. If you would like your child to be risen with the Lord, direct his eyes towards the Lord, to be risen fairest with the Lord. And then it will be easy that if a Sunday school teacher or his father me everything, he will obey him. But once you focus on self, if they will obey me, then they are good boys. No. They can obey you today and tomorrow they will do the opposite. Remember that every day, every time, every service you do it, you need to show them how to be losing. To show them that to come to the church is not a normal habit. It's meeting Christ of eternity. One last thing. There's a story in fact behind this quote. In the middle 50s, a very famous reverend, Professor John Meyendorf, is Greek Orthodox. He moved to America and he wanted to make an Orthodox revival in America. So he sent to one of the monks in Mount Asus. He was a very close friend for him. He gave him two advices. I'll give you the first and this is the second one. The first one, he told them, for Americans to come to Christ, they need to see a strong witness to Orthodoxy. So establish a good, strong, monastic life. To be a real Witness to Christ. People who have the light of Christ and everyone who visit this place would like to be like those people. And the second thing he told him this statement. Teach the right theology. Why? When the church is teaching the wrong theology, it will be the church of activities at most. And unfortunately, it's one of the greatest deceptions. when we feel that we are active. Every day we have something to do. What about your people yourself? What about your life? Are you receiving the full life of Christ, conveying it? And then he's adding, when the church is teaching the right theology, it is the church of being and becoming. What does it mean? Every time you come to church, you are changed from glory to glory, as Paul says in Second Corinthians three eighteen. It's the church of being and becoming. Please encrypt this, just last few words. It's the church of being and becoming, not the church of activity. Every single activity in the church aims to lead to being and becoming. But if it becomes an an aim or goal itself, I'm sorry to say it's a failure. We are not preparing a team to compete in football or basketball or whatever it is. We are preparing people for eternity. New beings, I'm always in a new becoming. This is the reason life that we are looking for it. I'm not thinking of being in a church just to know Coptic hands or to be in the praise team. This is nice. Are you changed? Are you being and becoming? The sign of the new life is the change. Death has no place anymore. No more death, no more shame because we receive the life of the risen Lord. We proclaim the fullness of the life of the risen Lord. It means the glory oh of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you from now.